Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going pretty good. Uh, some craziness happening this week in our state. Uh, we've had a bit of a scare over in East Tennessee. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. It's our, our lead story, but it's kind of consumed everything in Tennessee this week. I, I, I don't know if North Carolina is feeling the same thing. It's kind of about that halfway point between you and I. Uh, but yeah. the big, big wildfires over yeah. in the Gatlinburg area. Yeah, really wild. Um, it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say how everybody else is experiencing it because for me, I, I mean, I they, I haven't been there in a few several years, but um, vacation there all the time when I was a kid. So as soon as I saw it pop up on social media, it wasn't really on the television here. But as I can see from what other people said it wasn't on TV a lot of places, but, um, but I couldn't quit looking at it, you know, on social media and just trying to track what was happening. So for me, I was consumed with the story and, um, I I don't know about the rest of the state. Yeah. So it it was the main talking point here in Tennessee, especially in the Nashville area. I've, I've been to Gatlinburg twice in the last six weeks, I guess. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's, it's a place we frequent, I'm glad that, you know, it seems that things have kind of died down a little bit and uh, there's going to be some rebuilding. We'll get to that in here in just a minute because it, it did affect sure. some Southern Baptist churches and, and a lot of Southern Baptists over in the eastern part of Tennessee. And also there's, you know, not to mention the, the wildfires going on in North Carolina, in Georgia, right. Alabama. So uh, the entire South has been hit with a drought lately and uh, we've got some rain this past week, but not nearly what we need, but hopefully uh, we're getting closer uh, to being back to where we need to be with uh, weather conditions. So before we get going, do want to uh, remind everybody, this month is December, Amy, and in lieu of a sponsor, we want to encourage uh, our listeners and all their churches to participate in the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Starting in 1888, the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering was established to empower the international missions efforts of Southern Baptists. After more than a century, the annual offering continues its steady growth. The national goal this year is $155 million. Your giving enables missionaries to be sent to make disciples and multiply churches among unreached peoples and places for the glory of God. If you're interested in giving, uh, your church can give directly to Lottie Moon through the IMB. Uh, there's also a link to the IMB page where you can give directly to IMB as well at sbcthisweek.com. So uh, if you're not involved in Lottie Moon Christmas Offering Giving, we would highly encourage you to do so. Uh, All the money from Lottie Moon goes directly to the mission field and uh, is not used for any administrative cost. That just goes straight to the missionary. So uh, our our big gift every year. So we're excited about the trends in Lottie Moon Giving and everything going on at the IMB and are looking forward to a uh, another record year, hopefully next year. Yes. Um, hey, have, did you see the article that popped out this week? It was really a blog post from Lori McDaniel at the IMB uh, about Lottie Moon. It was Lottie Moon, the rebel I want to be. Oh yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I saw the, yeah. the headline. Yeah. Really good. It just kind of plays out some uh, some quotes from Lottie's letters in China and just what it what it really means to uh, to be like Lottie. That's how how uh, she put it. So we'll we'll throw that link in the show notes. Um, just to remember, it's not just the name of an offering. It was the name um, of a person that was uh, pretty incredible. So yeah. well, when I worked at WMU, her trunk was on display down in the WMU building there. They have her trunk. I know Southwestern has a 
a uh, a whole warehouse it looks like full of stuff that they have for her uh, from her yeah. home in China and I, I think that's going to find a place in Mathena Hall whenever they get it built so uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for that that should be a, a pretty neat display whenever they get that all set at Southwestern all right moving into the news we already kind of touched on it the wildfires in East Tennessee uh, destroyed hundreds of homes and several churches including one Southern Baptist Church. Yes, Roaring Fork Baptist Church in Gatlinburg was one of the the churches that was hit the worst. Um, they lost, looks like, the worship center and the family life center. Yeah, that was the big stone church that was just burned, completely yeah. gutted and everything. It was one of the more popular or famous pictures from the week. Uh, First Baptist Gatlinburg also lost their youth building and the custodian's residence, but the main sanctuary was okay. Yeah, um, and then Banner Baptist Church uh, had some some uh, damage. Their fellowship hall burned to the ground, and they got smoke damage uh, in the main building. And some church members lost their homes. Now, yeah, a lot of church members at a lot of yeah, different churches. Yeah, and and let's step back and think about this. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been in a situation where you know of someone who loses their home in a fire, and kind of the whole community comes around them and takes them in and. Uh, what happens when an entire community is affected in this way where everyone is, is losing their homes? I mean, you have emergency shelters, you have the Red Cross that's there, but this is this is big. I mean, they've got to find somewhere to live for an extended period of time. Insurance companies are going to be, you know, overrun with trying to process all of this. So when you think about an entire community losing tons and tons of structures, this is not easy to bounce back from at all. Yeah, it's similar to what we see in the Midwest after big tornado systems or even in the Southeast after hurricanes. So entire communities just devastated by this and the same thing here. But, uh, you know, it's it's nice to see in the article here, we're seeing North Carolina Baptist disaster relief, Tennessee Baptist disaster relief, as well as Georgia Baptist disaster reliefs all on the scene already this week and uh, helping out. And I I know that Randy Davis has been in contact. We've heard from several people in the Tennessee area. Uh, They're doing everything they can to kind of help out over there. But uh, it's, it's been a really, really rough week over, you know, just from the, a lot of the misinformation to actually finding out what was actually happened and just just a really, really tough week for those over in East Tennessee. Yeah. So our prayers are definitely with them, and we'll continue to be in the days and weeks and months ahead. This is going to be a huge uh, rebuilding effort for a lot of people. Neat story coming out of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary this past week. Uh, A student up there, Chad Nuss, has produced a comic book for evangelism. Yeah, 12 volumes. That's a lot. I mean, this is not just like he just drew something on a few pieces of paper. This is a serious you know, a 12 volume worldview comic book. I mean, it's a whole series. Right. right. And I mean, I don't think the whole series is done. It says a planned yeah. 12 volume, but he's, it's a whole series. It's called the silence. Um, he's a PhD candidate at Southern's, uh, Billy Graham school. Yeah. Under the direction of Adam Greenway. Yes. It also says he's a full-time culinary manager and father of four. He's kind of an impressive guy. He's got a lot of skills, um, man. Yeah. So he's, He's putting everything together to to tell stories, essentially, and he wants to um, explore naturalistic worldviews and then uh, the story of 
of Christ. Yeah, and you can check out the uh, the work at thesilencecomics.com. That's thesilencecomics.com. All the information's there. Uh, so just a really cool story out of uh, out of Louisville this week. And uh, just, you know, we don't hear about Southern Baptists and comic books and creating comic books for evangelism and worldview look. I mean, it's just just a neat little thing. And it may seem very niche, but the truth is, so one of my kids is really, he, he loves comics. And, and so we've been to a couple of comic book conventions and a lot of people really love this stuff. There's some very creative things going on. Uh, when I was at the Gospel Coalition for Women, there was a comic book convention going on and there are a ton of people. So this is a huge niche uh, to tap into really and to tell stories in this way. And there are tons of people who will benefit and even come to know the gospel through this. And we've uh, we've got more coming later in the show from the campus of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. We got an interview with Matt Hall talking about Boyce College. All uh, right. And continuing, picking back up with our, our deans at Southern Baptist Seminary uh, College's interview series. Uh, we'll pick that up with Matt Hall later yeah. in the show. So well, Let's um, go to some states. Yep. And let's go to a state run by a former p- professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Kevin Smith. In his first state convention annual meeting up in Maryland, Delaware, they had 341 messengers and 79 guests uh, attend and passed and approved a budget of $7.585 million uh, with uh, CP contributions of $3.75 million. Their CP split uh, moves up 1% to 43.5% sent back on to the national and international missions causes through the executive committee. Yeah, they had some, uh, it looks like a really diverse group of speakers as well. They had they had Bill Warren from uh, Allen Memorial Baptist Church in Salisbury, but then they also had Kevin Smith. Luis Palau came. Um, that's wow. kind of a big big yeah. name. Paul Kim. Um, yeah, and uh, and then Byron Day, president of the SBC National African American Heavy hitters Fellowship. up there. Kevin Smith yeah. bringing them in. Yeah, so that that's, that's pretty neat. Um, Former guest on the podcast, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Yes. And I still think he's, how many Southern Baptists like ride their Harley to, now we have a state exec that rides his Harley to SBC annual meetings. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting uh, state exec there, but it sounded like it was a great meeting and uh, his first one. So I think that was very special and uh, looks like good days ahead. Yeah. They had a neat moment where they uh, prayed over him kind of inaugurating him into uh, the Baptist uh, Convention of Maryland, Delaware. So uh, congrats to the guys up in Maryland and Delaware uh, and Kevin Smith and everything that's going on up there. All right, down to the south. Got a couple of these wrapping up uh, that we did not get stories on until this week. Georgia increased their budget to $41 million with a 42% split on to the SBC Executive Committee. Thomas Hammond, uh, trustee at Lifeway was reelected nice. as the president of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Yes, and a slate of new vice presidents uh, came in. Jim Perdue of Second hey. Baptist Church in, in Warner Robins. No, Jim. Met him last year. We Dr. Renner spoke down there. Yeah, so he's the first vice president. Joey Taylor of Springhead Baptist in Adel, second vice president. Levi Skipper um, as third vice president. He's Concord Baptist Church in Claremont. And Richard Statham pastor of Salem Baptist Church in McDonough as fourth vice president. Okay, this is the first one that we've had. We've had some different types of secretaries. We've had statistical secretaries, recording secretaries, reporting secretaries. Right. Four vice presidents? 
Are they really worried about succession in Georgia? Well, they're set, but that that just gets them, you know, you have a line of succession. You got five. Quite a line there. Yeah. They're ready to go and they probably help. They probably help during the meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're just Um, having fun. Just having fun. That's right. And then they also have um, a recording secretary, Danny Henson from New Liberty Baptist Church in Ringgold. And then two assistant recording secretaries, Freddie Rhodes um, and Tom Van. Whoa, they have a deep bench. This yes, is- they do have a deep bench in Georgia, uh, one of our largest state Baptist conventions and $41 million budget. That That's just amazing. That's a really, really big budget. Uh, so uh, a lot of kingdom work being done in the state of Georgia. Moving on over to Louisiana. They passed a budget of just over $20 million. Uh, down 550000 from last year with an allocation of only 36.74% to be sent on to the executive committee. And they had a, a couple of motions come up. They had one that would move them to an immediate 50-50 split down in Louisiana. Uh, that one did not pass. Uh, there was another motion uh, to study the recent actions of the ERLC with regards to issue of concern of Louisiana Baptist. Uh, that one got referred to the executive board without discussion uh, from the messengers. And then also to, talked about uh, some church planning results down in Louisiana. Uh, I, I was watching actually the live stream. I was sitting backstage at the Tennessee Baptist, uh, watching the live stream of the Louisiana Baptist Convention going on at the same time. Uh, it's kind of neat, but they they had a, the church planning presentation going on there. They celebrated their 150th church plant since they uh, started uh, planning out in this 2020 commission report that they had. They wanted to plant 300 churches by 2020. They're at 150 right now, um, 17 multi-site congregations and 20 replants uh, of declined or closed churches started this past year. Of the, of the 150, 58 of them were Anglo, 49 have uh, African-American churches, 25 Hispanic, 8 Asian, 10 multi-ethnic, uh, reaching 13 different people groups in Louisiana. So That's a lot amazing. of church planning going on in Louisiana, uh, located in 75 different towns, uh, with 79% located in South Louisiana. So uh, if you're not familiar with Louisiana geography, you know, shaped like the boot, the bottom part of the boot, that's where basically, you know, a ton of the people live in Louisiana. Most of the population live south of, you know, on that I-10 corridor and Baton Rouge, right. Lafayette, Lake Charles, New Orleans, uh, the North Shore. Uh, and that is also a very heavy Catholic region in Louisiana, uh, predominantly Catholic, very Catholic. The north part of the state is almost like southern Arkansas. It's very Baptist, very Piney Woods. Uh, not as Catholic, not as quote-unquote Cajun uh, as the southern part of the state. So a lot of the church planning efforts going on down in the southern part, 79% in South Louisiana, that's where the most people are. That's where the uh, the most non-Christian people are as well. So uh, a very, very good report from on church planning from the Louisiana Baptist. Well, um, and they also had a big thing. Uh, their first, um, uh, the first Hispanic uh, pastor to hold a state office, Carlos Meza, pastor of Iglesia Bautista del Calvario uh, from Shreveport. He was voted second vice president. Um, But then also uh, Gavin Spinney uh, of First Baptist Church Houghton. Uh, He was reelected without opposition as president. And then David Lane, pastor of Judson Baptist Church in Walker, was elected first vice president. So uh, that's uh, the, those were their officers. And that's exciting uh, to have Carlos Meza, um, as second vice president. 
So these are the, we only had three after the week. Goodness, where we had like, it seemed like every single state turned in. We've got three this week and uh, we'll have all the Baptist Press articles in the show notes. They do a great job, particularly with all of their, uh, the staffers around the country at uh, state papers who do the work to get these stories in so that uh, Southern Baptists as a whole can really see and understand what's going on across the country. So we're grateful for their work. I think that may do it for the convention recaps. I, I think we hit them all. Okay. I mean, I, there may be one or two still outstanding, but I think just kind of running through my mind, I, I don't know if we've missed any. Uh, I know that we haven't missed them. If Baptist Press has put them out, then we've covered it. But I believe right. that all the recaps There's from not all any the states left, yeah. are in. There may be one or two outstanding that we're just not thinking of or don't know about, but I think we got them. I think we got him. All, All right. right. Well, that's going to move us to our interview right now. Uh, once again, with Matt Hall, the Dean of Boyce College. It's great to be with you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Now, Dr. Hall, you were named the Dean uh, earlier this year uh, in, a, in a line of pretty impressive deans. I mean, there's Jimmy Scroggins. Uh, let's see. Uh, Denny Burke has been the Dean there at one point. Dan DeWitt just recently left. I mean, so some big shoes to fill, uh, you know, for you at the, as the Dean of Boyce College. Thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I came into the job. I, I, the, the shoes are massive and, you know, we had Jerry Johnson before yeah. that. Um, so just, yeah, no pressure, right? Yeah, no pressure. But at the same time, we've seen unprecedented growth at Boyce College, biggest enrollment ever, uh, just, just doing great things. We're growing by leaps and bounds up there. So, uh, tell us, you know, just, just give us a little, you know, the, the 30 second elevator pitch about Boyce College. Yeah, you know, the, the Boys is, we're entering our 20th anniversary in uh, 1998 is when we were established as a four-year college. And um, I think like a lot of our seminaries, you know, for a while we weren't entirely sure how Boys College fit in to a seminary program. Um, but the Lord has just provided remarkable clarity of mission and leadership through Dr. Moeller in the last uh, several years that Boys has really kind of taken on its own thing. And uh, I think it's providential as we look at the culture, uh, particularly here in North America and, and some changes that we're seeing, changes in Christian higher education, uh, Boyce has been able to kind of emerge into its own lane, so to speak, and become something altogether new. So we're not really a Bible college in the traditional sense of what people might think. Uh, we're definitely not a Christian university. And so we have a very clear sense of who we are, what we're about and the programs that we offer. And uh, that's been a really healthy thing, I think. All right. Well, our seminaries were founded by the SBC to prepare men and women for ministry. Generally, undergraduate programs, uh, like the colleges, are often broader than the typical graduate programs. How does your college fit into this goal of preparation for service to the church? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so our ministry assignment comes from the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's very clear, and we know who we are and what we're about. And uh, I think I think what we're seeing at Boyce College, I can't speak for the other five SBC seminaries and their undergraduate programs, but at Boyce College, uh, we're recognizing, I think, just frankly, a changing landscape for ministry in the 21st century, and that more and more uh, men and women um, are going out on mission with Christ, and many of them will go into traditional vocational pastoral ministry models where they have a full-time salary and all the rest. Uh, but just look around, not only in the United States, but throughout North America and even the world, and we are increasingly having to be equipped and prepared to go on mission with Christ, on ministry, uh, in the marketplace, uh, in the public square, and that has to do with a whole range of, of, of challenges, you know, economic, demographic, and certainly uh, cultural. Uh, but we're finding that we can effectively prepare men and women for ministry uh, in a variety of capacities 
Uh, so our business is mission program, our education program, those are very much mission minded. Um, and they're not kind of, we, we don't buy into the kind of sacred secular uh, dichotomy. We're trying to equip men and women for, for ministry in those ways. All right. Now, what are some of the distinctives that Boyce offers that maybe a typical Bible college, you mentioned that earlier, you're not a Bible college, you're not a Christian college. What are some of the distinctives about that? And you've kind of hit on a few of those, but just kind of drill down on a couple of yeah. those distinctives. Well, when people ask me what we are, I do, I do, to be honest, I do say we're a Christian college. I, I'd say we're not a university in the sense of, you know, we have this proliferation of, you know, you're not going to get a pharmacy degree here. There are great Christian universities that offer pharmacy programs and to the glory of God. Um, that's just not where we are, not what we're, what we've been tasked to do, so to speak. Um, I think what makes this distinctive one is we, we do have uh, a, a standard Bible and theology core curriculum. So if you come here and you study business, uh, you're going to get a great education and business administration in terms of best practices and and uh, in the marketplace and, and how entrepreneurship works. But you are also going to get a really robust Bible and theology core curriculum. So you're going to take Old Testament, New Testament, hermeneutics, uh, church history, systematic theology, all the rest. And uh, I think that really is distinctive. Um, most Christian universities, you might take a couple classes in Bible or theology, but but you really you kind of get through that as quick as you can. Uh, or on the other hand, if you're in a Bible college, you don't have a lot of opportunity to study uh, different areas of the humanities or business. And um, and we're trying to kind of lean in into that space. Well, the SBC seminary graduate programs have traditionally reached far more men than women. How do the collegiate offerings at Boyce provide an avenue for women to be more involved in educational training at our seminaries? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. You know, when most Christian colleges, not just Christian colleges, but uh, institutions of higher education have a really hard time recruiting young men. Uh, we actually, our freshman class this fall was about 65% male, 35% female. Yeah. Which is and basically a flip-flop of a standard you know, state-run exactly institution. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, so guys want to go to UK, I mean, which is understandable. It's the best basketball program in America. Uh, you can agree or disagree on that, but... Well, I'm an LSU fan, so I don't, I can't, you don't I can't even know really what a basketball looks exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, most most institutions of our size struggle to recruit young men, and at boys, we're really thankful for the men, and and I think that's always going to be the case where we will probably have a, a, a largely male, uh, or at least majority male student population because of our, our our largest degree program is our Bible and theology degree. Uh, we are sending men out for pastoral ministry. But the growth of our female student body, I think, reflects the question that you asked, Jonathan, about, well, how are we equipping uh, women, particularly, to go on mission with Christ? So our, our missions program, obviously, is, is a huge draw for, for young women, but also our counseling program, uh, our education program, elementary education in particular, is kind of one of our fastest growing programs for young women. So we have right now students who are in that program, young women, uh, doing their student teaching in the Dominican Republic, uh, in Germany. Oh, wow. So, and, and some of them will go on mission with God in the public school classroom and, and very much with a mission mindset, but others will go internationally and use, uh, use that as an opportunity for the kingdom. So all those play into it. And I think, frankly, the last thing I'd say about just the opportunities for women, um, we are committed to a residential model of education. So when you come onto this campus, there's just a very healthy student culture, our student life dynamics, the way we disciple students. And it reflects, I think, ways in which we, the way we disciple men, the way we disciple women, and the structures and systems we have in place, it builds community in a way that I think both men and women really flourish and thrive in. 
Well, you mentioned that on-campus uh, aspect, and there's often a perception with seminaries that they don't offer a traditional student experience that many would expect maybe with a college life, you know, in those college years. In what ways does, does Boys College promote the typical college experience within the Christ-centered framework that you have there? Yeah, we're, we're trying to talk a lot these days about what it means to be fully human, what it means to live a good life, and, and that means even right now during college— uh, that God cares a lot about your theology. He cares a lot about your doctrine. He cares a lot about what you're learning in the classroom. But he also uh, cares a lot about your 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 body, your physical health. He cares about your friendships. He cares about uh, your work. Uh, and so everything that we're doing on the campus is trying to to instill in our students right now, this is what it means to be human. It means to live to the glory of God in every area of your life. So um, we see athletic programs, for example. We have three intercollegiate, intercollegiate athletic programs, um, men's basketball, men's soccer, and women's volleyball. And we don't see those as just kind of like, oh, that's just a fun thing to do. We, we believe that's one way we can bring glory to God uh, through the way we play the game and also build community. And so you'll just find when you come here, for example, on a Tuesday night for a women's volleyball game, the gym is packed. It's loud. But it's not abrasive. It's not hostile. It's one of the happiest places to play in our conference. But it is rowdy, and it's a lot of fun. And we, you know, we have a lot of fun too. We have our uh, uh, this past week we had our a fall party. So you had about you know 350 of our students. Uh, not everyone could be there, but a large group of students out uh, for a fall party um, at, a, at a farm nearby where we had all kinds of fun stuff going on. So we just believe that. College should be fun. I mean, it should work you hard. It should be rigorous. It should be it should be challenging. But we believe that there's a there should be a joy in your college experience too, and that that happens in community. Now, uh, I know you're connected to a local church at uh, Clifton Baptist Church there in Louisville, Kentucky. How do you promote that with the students at Boys College? How they connect to the local church? Yeah. Well, they hear it from day one at orientation. Actually, they hear it even at their preview day when they're coming for their visits. But we we uh, reiterate that repeatedly from day one because we realize we're not the church. And so uh, God didn't design us. Again, this gets at that question of what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What's it mean to, mean to be made human? What's it mean to be happy and live a good life? Well, um, a college can do a lot of good things for you, and it can be a wonderful instrument of grace and God making you more and more into the image of Christ. But we all need um, brothers and sisters of different ages, different backgrounds, uh, to sharpen us and to provide uh, what really only the local church can. So we encourage our students, don't find your primary source of discipleship, your primary source of growth in Christ here at Boyce College. We want to supplement that. We want to come alongside the church. But the week-to-week gathering of the saints, the hearing, uh, the, the preaching of the word, uh, seeing baptism and the Lord's Supper and those signs and what they represent and they remind us of in the gospel, that's actually the the nuts and bolts of Christian discipleship and anything that we can do at Boys College, we're just trying to add to that. But we are not the the main thing of the Christian life. We're 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 here to supplement and complement what local churches do. Now, if our listeners are interested in more about Boys College, uh, where can they find out more online? Uh, not just about Boys, but about you. Well, uh, yeah, you can go to boyscollege.com. That's our our uh, kind of homepage, main epicenter of all things Boys. Boyscollege.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at, at Boyce College, and you'll see a lot of things there. All the, you know, we're on all the social media outlets. I don't know how half of them work, but we're on them, and there are wonderful people who are overseeing that. Um, but I, I encourage folks, if they want to learn about Boyce College, two things. Go to boycecollege.com. You can see more about what we're about, uh, our key distinctives, our faculty. And then secondly, come visit. 
Uh, but at the website, you'll see we do a preview day in the fall. In October, we do another one in April. And there's no better way to get um, kind of a taste of Voice College than by coming to the campus. Uh, there's no place like it. And uh, if people have any interest in me, I suppose they can find me on Twitter at Matthew J. Hall. And I don't think there's much more that's interesting to me that can't be said in 140 characters. <laughs> all right, Matt. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today, man. We appreciate it. And all the best to Boys College. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Thanks for that, Jonathan. Boys College has changed a little bit since you've been there, hadn't it? It, it has. It has sent a totally different building. And um, there have been a, a few deans between the time I was there Who and was now. Who was the dean when you were there? Was it Jimmy? Uh, no, Jimmy actually was the dean right after I uh, left. So when I started Jerry working, Johnson? At, well, he was one of them. When I started working there, uh, Ted Cable was the dean. And then uh, he um, went uh, full-time on faculty. And Dave DeClavon was the interim dean. And then um, Jerry Johnson was the dean. And then... Um, and then Jerry Johnson left to go to Chris Wool at the same time that Dr. Aiken left Southern to come here to Southeastern, and I left uh, to be a mom. So right around that time, the transition, that's when Jimmy started. So uh, it, but, but Boyce was a t just totally different. But uh, here's a little bit of trivia. The first ever student life director solely for Boyce College um, was really the best they've ever had. Keith they've Whitfield, never had. They've never had yeah. a better student life director. Saw where this was going. That one, yes, yeah. uh, Keith Whitfield. So that was really fun because back in the day, that's you know uh, between it's it was around 2003. We had a lot of the student government leaders in our home and the RAs in our home, and and so really kind of kicking off the uh, student life portion of Boyce sort of standing. Um, on its own, separate from the graduate school, uh, we got to be a little part of that beginning. So that was a lot of fun. Well, very cool. So a little bit of history there for Boyce College and uh, the Whitfield family. I didn't I yes. didn't know that Keith was involved uh, with student life at Boyce College. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, very All fun. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, we're going to go back to 1982. Now, let me just tell you, there were a lot of interesting things that happened this yeah, week. Yeah, you sent in me SBC a couple of them. History. Wow. Yeah. Um, and one that but, we've kind of mentioned on the on the podcast before, Ray Sadler, our friend Ray Sadler, whose dad yeah. passed away this week in SBC history after a plane crash here in Nashville. So that saw that story come across uh, this yeah, week. So that happened. That was sad. It was, and it's interesting. And I didn't do that one because we've talked about that on the the show before. Uh, but I got to talk with uh, Tom Elliff yeah. this week. He was uh, on campus for our chapel on Tuesday. I got to talk with him, and we talked about that. I, I, we t we talked about Ray and his uh, connection um, with with him and his dad. So it was just interesting to stumble on that story. But I'm going to share one from uh, 1982 which uh, was when uh, Menachem Begin, those of you who've really paid attention in world history over the last several decades, uh, that will, uh, will be a name that's familiar to you. But he was the, the prime minister of Israel. Um, his wife had, had died on November 13th of that year. Well, on uh, November 30th, he had a meeting with 15 Southern Baptists and seven U.S. Jewish leaders. Uh, so these were representatives of the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith, 
Um, it was sure. a 10 day, yeah, it was a 10 day joint Baptist Jewish study tour. So they were in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem. He was in a 30 day period of mourning. And um, this group met with with him. And uh, so at that time, the SBC president was uh, Jimmy Draper, yeah. somebody you know. Yep. Um, and he uh, he he talked to him. He you know obviously expressed uh, remorse and and grief uh, for him in the loss of his wife. And he he they talked about you know the Southern Baptists had prayed during the Camp David Accords in the 1970s. Uh, all of that. Also, um, it it says that uh, P- Dr. Paige Patterson was there uh, in the meeting as well, and he reissued. It looks like a, an invitation for uh, Prime Minister Begin to participate in a rally um, at First Baptist Dallas. He was supposed to appear at a rally; had been supposed to, but he had to cancel it when his wife died. So um, the interesting. So a couple of names that really jumped out in that. So it's just an interesting story um, as sort of the main story. But as happens, sometimes I, I pull these out and there that's the main one. But then when you start looking down, there are some other interesting ones. That was also the week that there was a um, funeral in Louisville at Crescent Hill Baptist Church for Grady Lee Nutt, which those of you who are interested in country music history would recognize. He was a kind of a, a country music comedian. And so this... Um, this story about his funeral, Roy Acuff was up there, Grandpa Jones, lots of, you know, Hee Haw singer Kenny Price, all these people. So there's a story about his funeral in there. Um, the, the karate expert in Oregon. That one was right. then, fascinating. Then I was, then I was just going to kind of move into um, a, a story about a, a karate expert. I don't really have anything else to share about that, except you should read it. Yes. It, the funny part is whenever they're trying to explain what the karate stuff is later. Or like we, we because of the Karate Kid phenomenon and everything in the '80s and us growing up with Bruce Lee and all these different movies, we know right. what karate instruments are. You know what a sai right. is. You know what a bow is. You know what nunchucks are. But in the story, it it takes the time to describe what nunchucks are. Two short sticks held together by a short section of chain. Uh, you know, right. it, it just the little things like that that are in here. So just yeah, it's kind of funny. Very funny. So, uh, so the main story, you know, we obviously what's interesting is here it's 2016. Um, I don't think we're any closer to peace in the Middle East, and that that was a um, a, a big part of things at that time. You know, it, it makes a reference to the Camp David Accord that had happened years before, and and Menachem Begin was certainly a part of that history for striving for peace. Um, but it didn't, of course, all start this week in SBC history, but it certainly was um, a very important meeting that happened this week in SBC history. Yeah, and it's not every day that Southern Baptist leaders meet with the Prime Minister of Israel. No, it's not. And not and, and so that's, that's a big a, deal. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Any anytime he, Southern Baptist leaders are meeting with any head of state, regardless of sure. the country. It's a big deal. But particularly that one. You know, because yeah. he, he has a big a big part in world history. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew of some folks and I knew that Dr. Patterson had met with uh, several heads of state and, and has had a lot of, of interactions throughout his ministry. Um, but it was it, it was really interesting to stumble on to this story, especially as it was news at that time. Yeah. So, Well, I, I'm trying to think of the last time a Southern Baptist leader met with a head of state. That is uh, quite newsworthy. But if someone out there knows 
of a like in the last ten years. Yeah, and our Send president doesn't count. Know. Our we have Southern Baptist leaders meet with our president all the time. Right, like that doesn't. I mean, not that let's, our president doesn't count, but let's foreign head of state. Okay, foreign heads of state. Yes. So this is something we don't we we don't want to be uh, we we want to get corrected on this because it would be very interesting. Yeah. So if you're listening out there and you know of a meeting, send it to us. Yeah, and, and I'll Jonathan send you a book. Send you a book. Yeah. Because Jonathan has the books. Thanks, Amy. Yeah. That's right. Um, Amy will send you a, a free copy of the Southeastern Magazine or something. <laughs> oh, I have, yeah, I have a lot of those. Yes. I have All back right. issues. I have everything. <laughs> Amy will send you a donor guide for Southeastern. <laughs> and a Lottie Moon offering envelope. Yes. yes, that too. That too. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? I just wanted to share some of my favorite brand new Christmas albums. Okay. Uh, one is J.J. Uh, Heller, who Who's is a, a she's a singer songwriter oh, there she. in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, really fantastic. She has a new album. It's called Unto Us. Uh, I was a Kickstarter supporter of this one, and was very excited when it was available and uh, showed up in my inbox. Also, Jenny and Tyler, who are uh, singer songwriters there in the Nashville area as well, they have a new one um, called Christmas Stories. And uh, I think a few people have hit on uh, Josh Garrels just dropped one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sent that to and you the I, other day. You got excited about that. Yeah, that I didn't even know was coming. It's called The Light Came Down. I've been listening to that. Um, Is it any good? I haven't listened to it yet. It's, it's very good. Very, very good. And then you, uh, Ron Block, you yes, sent me that, sent one that one too. too. Uh, Deeper's Fort Christmas, which he has, um, he ha this is his second Christmas album. So, yeah. um, it's instrumental. It's top notch. Everything from Ron Block is top notch, though. Oh, it's amazing. Lots of great stuff out there. There are some wonderful Christmas albums, but just kind of wanted to throw those out. So, you know, I, I, I had that's four resources. Yep. So, a lot of good Christmas stuff out there. I, I'm trying to get my hands on the new Leslie Odom Jr. Christmas album. I heard great things about it. So, good um, stuff. Anyway, all right. My resource of the week is. The fourth season of Fixer Upper that just started. So, <laughs> and this one kind of ties course. into some other current news this week. The uh, the Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, hatchet job, yes. I guess you could say, from BuzzFeed and Cosmo and different uh, more left-leaning uh, news outlets uh, this past week. So, a little a little love to the Fixer Upper people. That's a fun show. My wife got me kind of hooked on that one, and uh, we watch it here at the house. We've watched, binge-watched it on Netflix and different things. So, uh, yeah, a neat my, show. Enjoy my daughter, it. My daughter loves that. So that's going to be my my resource of the week, showing support for the Gaines family. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, and we've had several people from my church make the pilgrimage to the uh, the silos, so which just puzzles me, but whatever. It's like, I mean, you want to go to the Ark? I, okay. I, well, that's a good point. Don't, don't hate, Amy. Don't hate. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just said you said a pilgrimage to the silos confuses you, and I was just saying, you know, like you want to go to the Ark. And I like to go to authors' houses. So. Yes, yes, people I've never heard of. So, all right. Well, thank you, Amy, for uh, that resource of the week. Uh, your Christmas albums. Check out the Fixer Upper show. And uh, once again, thanks again for joining us, Amy. I know it's it's getting close to the Christmas season. That also means graduation season at our seminaries. I know uh, the day we're dropping this on December the second. That's graduation day at Southern. Uh, your graduation day, I believe, is what, next week on the 9th? Is that correct? That's right. That's correct. So you've got your graduation next week. I know the other seminaries, uh, there's no telling if it's the 2nd or the 9th. Uh, uh, I know those are all coming this fall. So uh, for everybody who's graduating this fall, congratulations to you. Uh, whether Absolutely. Whether it be PhD, MDiv, or uh, your undergraduate. Edgar Aponte, I just saw, defended his doc dissertation. 
doctoral yes, dissertation. At, so I guess he'll be getting hooded next week. He he will, as did um, uh, Larry Lyon, yeah. who is our director of enrollment. And now, oh, and Jerry Lasseter, who is our director of distance learning. So that's a kind of a big deal. A lot of our distance learning students know who he is. Um, but it, it'll be a fun time um, for our faculty to see those three walk across. Yeah. And we'll probably see several of our uh, friends that we don't realize are graduating. Uh, probably see that across Twitter over the next week or so. Uh, yes. So for all of you who are graduating, thank you uh, for listening and congratulations uh, on your degrees from uh, one of our Southern Baptist institutions. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you next week.